Welcome to Peppershock Media's Marketing Expedition Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in marketing and advertising. Now, here's your host, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today we have Kevin Smith. He's the founder and managing partner at Smash Brands. Cool name, by the way. Uh, Kevin Smith helps brands stand out and capture more market share. After launching and growing and successfully exiting several of his own globally distributed CPG brands, with combined revenues of $40 million, that's a lot, $40 million, that's amazing, Kevin discovered his true passion for brand strategy and creative direction. Through Smash Brand, he has worked with clients such as Kraft Heinz, Duracell, 7-Eleven, and PayPal to provide innovative ideas to challenges in packaging design, brand strategy, branding, and consumer testing. Smash Brands prides itself on a unique, fully integrated approach that combines analytical rigor and breakthrough creativity to identify opportunities that help brands deeply connect with their consumers in the retail environments and whether online or in store, whether it's click and mortar, right? Click and mortar. (laughs) Um, Having had to compete in retail with his own money at an early age made a powerful difference in Kevin's understanding of all that's at stake for brand owners. He works with company owners and CMOs that understand the strategic vision of the brand and the future that extends beyond a single project. And today we want to talk about launching a brand and consumer packaging and branding and packaging and all those things that we can do. So so welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I just learned that you are not only in Texas, but every once in a while you come to my neck of the woods and near Boise, Idaho. Indeed, we started there. Every business we've had has started in Boise, Idaho, so that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool, and, and I'm really, honestly, uh, it's, it's impressive to get to work with the companies that you've worked with out of, you know, Boise, Idaho, right? I mean, we're like no middle of the land nowhere. People say, Idaho, Iowa, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the cool. weirdest thing, too, is usually I, the reaction that I get when they're like, oh, where are you guys based? Because they're expecting usually it to be somewhere California, New York, you know, a lot where a lot of innovation happens. And they're like, and I'm like, uh, uh, Boise, Idaho. And the first thing they say is like potatoes. And I'm like, right. Yeah, <laughs> well, we are also the gem state and, uh, our, let's see, our fruit is huckleberries. So at least there's something more, right? You can give them something more. <laughs> right. You are now the fastest growing, uh, in the nation. So that's pretty big too. It's where everybody's it wanting to live now. I know. Don't tell them. It's a secret. They all have to stay away, stay away, stay far, far away. <laughs> it is true. There's a lot of growth happening around here, but it's it's pretty pretty amazing place to be. And people ask me the same thing. Why do you work out of you know Boise, Idaho? So like, well, we can do what we do anywhere. It doesn't matter. We can work with brands anywhere, especially now with you know the advent of Zoom and the technology that we have. So so do you even work with brands uh, locally, or are you mostly a more of a national scale? There's only one brand we've ever worked with that's locally, and that's Cradle Point. If you oh, know yeah, them. absolutely. And they, just, they just sold, right? They sold yeah. for an ungodly amount of money. I'm so proud 1. of that. $1.1 billion to Ericsson. Yeah, we've worked with them since they were a startup uh, under a different name in California, and they grew and grew and grew. We've developed that brand from the beginning, Yay. and it was amazing on Friday. They one point one. 
is something to celebrate for sure. That is amazing. Well, that's, that's so, okay. So working with them, let's just start with, with that. What was the process? What did you do? How did you grow and develop them into a, you know, a selling company of one point, you know, billion dollars? <laughs> yeah. And I think so, so much for me, that was, you. that's a little bit. So normally, normally we work with CPG brands and, and it's like, okay, Creative Points technology company. It doesn't really fit within our normal of what we'll kind of work we'll choose to take. Mm-hmm. But um, my background and um, my partner Michael's background is we were computer engineers. And so um, there was a few, there was a few VCs that we knew this is way back now when, when um, kind of it was, a, there was a different name to the software that Creative Point has. And, um, and, and this VC was like, Hey, there's a couple guys that know branding really well. Uh, Todd, you should talk with them and uh, and see if there's a fit. So back then there was a company called Pertino, and they made this um, wireless WAN software, and they were based out of Los Gatos, California. So they called us and we're like, their big problem was, which I see, it's a lot. It's this is in this industry, there's a lot of this kind of problem. Was the engineers had this really great product, they didn't know how to tell their story. Right. And so I think a lot of foundational brand work is again like understanding, you know, what is the purpose? How do you add value to your customers? You know, what's your differentiator? And then being able to like articulate that quickly, uh, and 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 right. And so they understand it kind of at a glance that that like what you're about. And so initially we work with them to develop right all those things. You know, the brand level is your story, purpose, mission, positioning, differentiator, value propositions, into the brand identity and into their website. And then the relationship was just really good. Like I enjoyed working with them. So normally when it's something that's outside of our expertise of CPG, we say no to, um, but I just loved working with them. And then they were acquired by Cradle Point Proper, which made consumer products out of Boise. Right. And they kind of took their software and brought them into Cradle Point, but their whole team kind of took over as CMO of Cradle Point. So then we rebranded Cradle Point to really be, um, like anti Silicon Valley, like all their new logo and things. It's the Boise mountains. We wanted it to be very kind of like local first. This is, this is a disruptor. That's not a typical Silicon Valley company right. and um, kind of humanize the brand. Uh, so we did that for them and, and then have carried that through. And, and now, you know, it's um, through their hard work and making an exceptional product. Um, yeah, they've, they've, they've great. It, so. I, I have to tell you one short little story, you know, yeah. this pandemic has created new opportunities for us and things I never thought I would be doing like, um, virtual graduations. We also have video production in, in our, in our, uh, agency. So, uh, one thing that we got called up, um, you know, pretty well known person here, he passed away and his daughter called and said, Hey, um, we're not going to do the funeral in a normal setting. We're going to do graveside, but there's no place to plug in. There's no Wi-Fi. What can we do? How can we stream this so that everybody doesn't get sick, right? And so we used a cradle point and we used a generator and a battery and we streamed, live streamed graveside funeral. Who knew that that's something that we would even need to do or, or think to do, but it worked amazingly. It was, we got a signal. It was great. I mean, we had over 400 people log in to watch this funeral. And anyway, so just a uh, case in yeah. point retail side. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a great uh, story for cradle point. And of course, you know, what does that have to do with the, the cell? I don't know, but it's pretty cool. The technology that they've created. I mean, and, they have the perfect use case for today of people probably being remote and needing connectivity and yeah. make it happen. Even cool stuff, which I love that they do where there's like a, you know, hurricane comes through and all these families are separated. They'll just ship routers out there to like, 
all these kind of pop-up yeah. locations. And now family members are able to connect and call each other where they were just, and they do all this for free. And I think they're amazing companies. They're a great company for sure. But let's talk about what you do focus on more. And that is the consumer package. Because tell me more about kind of your path. What got you there? We are on a marketing expedition together. So tell me, uh, just give me the stages and, and then kind of where you're landing now. Yep. Um, so longtime entrepreneur, I, I probably started my first business when I was 13. I started a little computer company in high school and, and, um, and it was, it was then I, I found out that I'm, I'm pretty good at making things sell. Um, uh, not good at growing the business or anything else, right? Like you need different talent for that. But my thing was, was being able to, I didn't know what it was called back then, but kind of positioning and differentiating a service. Uh, and so the other people were excited to, um, to buy it. Because um, at 13, that's what you, you focus on, right? Those big fancy words, right? I was a super nerd. Right? I, was <laughs> I, love a nerd. It. I was like such a nerd when I was growing up. It was bad. It was bad. Um, I, was, I was a super nerd, but I was actually making good money at that age. Um, and, then, uh, and, then, and then I ended up uh, joining the Marine Corps. And so actually learned a lot there of just kind of general leadership and, and you know, growing up quickly. And then from there, uh, went into um, computer science degree, which never used really. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do we, and, how, uh, yeah, how much do we always use the degree that we're learning, right? <laughs> yeah, none. And, and that's when I took my first job, um, it, it, was to, it was to use that. And I had met my business partner for the last 20 years and uh, he was a fantastic engineer. Um, but I had the idea, um, I wanted to launch a line of our own products. And so, um, I convinced him to quit his job with me and, uh, kind of take all the money that we had in the world to put into it. And we did that. And, uh, it was a nutrition brand and it was successful. We had that up to, um, with very little marketing, um, up to like 7 million in sales the first year. And then we exited out of that brand and we ended up doing it, um, four more times. And really it was the the way that we worked was um, was unique, especially back then. And I'm a big, there's different ways to be successful, but the way that's always worked for me to cut through is extreme differentiation. That's, and I call it white space. If we can find white space for a brand, and there's so many ways to do it, even if you're a commoditized product, and we can differentiate, it's gonna elevate you and the consumers um, like competitive, uh, kind of when they're making that choice and that competitive set, you're elevated and, and you're probably gonna get purchased um, if it aligns with kind of the need states that they want. So we had, um, being that we were um, software and data people, the reason that we were successful is, is, is we created software where we wanted to know, why can't we prove all these things at a brand level before we commit money to it? So as we're developing a name, or you know, identity systems, or packaging design, or the brand messaging. All of this, I want you know, um, focus group tested all the time uh, with a, and to be statistically accurate. But I want it done online and quick. And back then, you know, this is two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Nobody was doing this stuff, and so we were able to um, develop these systems where we could bring in all of these consumers, uh, these these pools test every idea we had and realize, hey, the idea that we think we have, it's actually really bad, pivot on that, and eventually get to a place where our ideas are beating out the, competitive, com the competitors, which are national brands for like purchase intent and, and stand out and preference. And then we know it's time to go to market. It's this kind of long process, but it's really quick on the data side. And um, so we would do that for every brand, almost no marketing. Uh, it's almost like you kind of flip the, the, the idea of try before you buy, you know, try before you sell, right? And that way you can make sure that what it is that you're about to do is actually going to sell. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, it's not that we invented that. You, you Traditionally, right, you hire an agency who's working on brand level things and, and packaging, and then you can hire a research agency that's out there to doing all this kind of um, qualitative, quantitative research and, um, and consumer testing, but they're really not ever vertically integrated where it's like seamless into the process. Uh, and, and where, you know, um, you just kind of know these things up front. So that's what we developed and then kind of fast forward to today, we were selling one of our brands and the VCs that we would work with, they would say, hey, you know, we've invested in this other brand, we wanna use your process. So we just called it Smash Brand and we would take a few clients at a time uh, and then that kind of took off. And today we're still the only data first branding agency where when we work with the company and we're, we're, we're sort of choosy, um, but like every change we make, whether it's, where it's a change in name or we're moving a, a, a typography over to the left an inch, we're going to show you what that impact has based on where you are today and the competitors and, and basically the, the forecasted sales impact that you're going to see out of that in the future. So usually when a brand will work this way, we can see a, you know, like a 40 times return on investment. And that's always what VCs want to hear. Venture capitalists want to hear like, okay, what's my return on my investment? What's my return on my marketing investment? And I want to know how much money I'm going to make because of what you do. So that's a genius way to be able to answer that question and, you know, predict what you can, what you can do and how you're going to sell it. And, And so my question is how, how accurate have you made this system? It's super accurate. Like I'll give you uh, here's um, there's a lot of examples I can give pretty much every project. Yeah. There's one that we just got back. Um, and there's a, there's a, a company called curation foods. They make the, um, the kind of the, one of the, the top um, company in packaged guacamole. So it's a large, a large, it's called Yucatan guacamole. They make a guacamole. Food. Oh, that guacamole uh, song. Packaged guacamole at the store. Yeah. And they had come to us and it was like, Hey, we're looking to, you know, we're having a problem with trial, with um with millennials we want to increase you know market share uh with them uh Mm -hmm. got into the project and there was you know a lot of things that we found that had to be changed through all the testing but our testing showed that we should see uh a 28 percent increase in purchase intent and and the real world results from that uh are 32 percent increase uh in the united states and 41 percent in canada wow uh, pretty close to the data which is usually around four percent and, uh, and mm-hmm. big increase in sales for them. That's amazing. So, okay, walk me through the process. What is it that you did to test it? How did you get to that to determination that it would be a 28% increase of, of intent to purchase? Yeah, so there's a lot of steps there. Um, I like to always start on the, so first thing we wanna do is kind of baseline the brand where it is today. And we do a lot of um, like virtual kind of um, shopping and serving. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's some secret stuff that happens in sure. the methodology. Um, but we get to uh, these kind of uh, the data sets that should be comparable to what you see today, right? So we go back to the brand and we're like, okay, this is the baseline. This should be pretty accurate to what we're seeing in the market today. They look at the numbers and they, we, get, we get agreement on that. And then from there, I like to start on communication, right? So mm-hmm. to give an example, they had something that when they initially called us, they said, this is absolutely important. You have to carry it through. You cannot change this. Our brand is built on that it's 95% uh, avocado inside the container. So on, on the packaging, it would say 95% avocado. Mm-hmm. I questioned that when I heard it, because I'm like, what's the other 5%? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Then, and they've been using this for like 17 years. And they say it's the foundation of the brand because no other brand uses that much. And so the first thing we do is we start, I'm like, I want to test this. And so we start doing, uh, the first thing is surveying. So we're bringing in, you know, hundreds of consumers that are, that are buying this kind of uh, packaged guacamole, understanding all their preferences about it, but then, and then also understanding like when they see 95%, what does that, what does that mean to them? 
And then uh, once we start seeing people are like, um, it means that it's not all avocado. That's weird, right? When we start right. seeing those kind of comments, yeah. then we propose different messaging that solves for that and we test it and to see if nice. it starts to outperform this one. And we see that's quickly. And then, and then with this, like with this refresh, we have, you know, we have the baseline data. So then we go into like new design system concepts. And, and when they originally contacted us, it was like their brand was very important to them. Mm -hmm. um, but we like to work on things that are going to be maybe close to what they're asking us for. And then some stuff that seems super risky to them because a lot of times with data, we're allowed to take risks because it's not, you know, a lot of times people will ignore that mm -hmm. because they don't want to have risk and they're nervous about going to market, but we're testing it. It's okay to still explore it. Right. So we start looking at, um, you know, the data showing us that people are really buying these things for parties. And so we start working on themes that are not like kind of old Mexico, like they have today, but are very like party fun. They look like a celebration, like stuff. Right. Kind of Guacamole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we see that this one is testing like 152% better for purchase intent than their original packaging. So anyways, we go into presentations with them and they end up buying off on it. And it was at the end of the project, they were like, if you would have told us that you're going to tell us we had to change 95% and that it was going to look like this, you would not have been hired. Right. Yeah. So data first can, you know, yeah. help prove but it, your it, point. It looks like a bunch of, um, it looks like, uh, basically it mimics the actual shopping experience to the best of its ability that you can do online. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm certainly glad they decided to listen to you, right? Cause that's always, that's always the tricky part is getting people to listen to you. So if you've got data to back it up, I mean, that's the, that's the golden ticket, right? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times it's, um, the thing that when brands contact, uh, especially larger brands, when they contact an agency, they're not even necessarily looking for the most creative or the most innovative. I think a lot of times they're looking for the least amount of risk because when they make that update, it's going to cost them a lot of money and they could lose customers. And so, you know, at least when you're data first, um, you, you, um, you're having a massive reduction in risk and it builds confidence. So. And I always say we're building brands and bottom lines. Yes. Because <laughs> that is the, uh, the ultimate goal really is to, yeah. to move the needle in the right direction. And by taking those risks and taking those changes and doing different iterations to test it out, I think that's, that's a genius way to go about it. <laughs> and, and even like your audience, right? Like they don't have to hire somebody expensive like us to do this. I mean, we're going to do it right. And we have a methodology that's proven out. But even like when we started our first business, you can start small, right? You can use, there's tools that you can use, even if it's not perfect, right? And you're a small brand, but you can still use, you know, uh, Google forms and craft surveys and, mm -hmm. and, and go out and, you know, use, um, I mean, this platform is kind of terrible, I think, but it's better than nothing. Use survey monkey right. and, and get hundreds of people to start looking at things. You, anybody can, can work like this on the cheap too. Absolutely. No, it's, it's good to understand what your customers want yeah. so that you can deliver what they need and want together rather than trying to sell something they may not even want or desire. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, um, okay, so, so who is your ideal client then for you? Um, these days, there's, it's probably um, mid-level companies, I think, are, are my favorite brands to work with. Um, and, and mostly because they definitely, um, like larger brands are fantastic, love them, but you can still get caught up in a lot of legal and everything else mm -hmm. and resistance to change. Um, where I think mid-level brands, they have traction in the market, they're doing well, but they're also open to change and they're able to make decisions quickly. And so those are, those are my, my favorite, you know, maybe they're already hitting, you know, 20 million in revenue uh, and they're looking to really kind of be that big national player and to have that next level of growth. That's my favorite companies to work with. 
right? It can set the stage for them to maybe potentially get bought out by somebody larger than them, but maybe they could go large too. That's great. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay, because you're a marketing company and you have Smash Brand, how do you market Smash Brand to others? Okay, yeah. So it goes, I think that goes back to my whole, uh, just like anything that I, that I do, I believe extreme differentiation is the key. So um, for me, like marketing Smash Brand, if I couldn't do it this way, I wouldn't have started it. But it's, again, it's the only data first company that can prove Mm -hmm. uh, the performance to any change that we're going to recommend to your brand. And we can, you know, prove out purchase intent. We can show you the sales impact that every change is going to have. And nobody else uh, can do that and has invested in the, uh, the time, the software and the methodology like we have. And so for me, again, that's just a differentiator. And so when a company is, is talking with us, it's either that resonates with them. They're like, yes, we need that. And nobody else that I'm talking to has that. So you're the only choice. Or they want to do something more traditional, and that's okay. But that's mm -hmm. that's how we're positioned. Now, do you partner with other agencies or collaborate on projects, or are you kind of solely just on your own doing what you're doing? Right now, we're super selfish, and we've uh, been 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 uh, just solely doing it um, because we still own brands today. Um, it's just a time. It's just time. So that's why we're super selective. Is that we have minimal amount of time to be able to focus on our mm -hmm. own brands that we own and do this. But we are developing. Um, this kind of software and platform where we're hoping within the next year, we'll be able to offer it to agencies where they have all these analysts and things that are kind of white labeled. They can bolt this onto their company, increase revenues and deliver a better product. Now we're talking, that seems interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and you're right. Like survey monkey is limited and there are other tools that you can try to use, but it's, it does seem like there's, there's definitely a need in the, in our field for something like what you have to offer. So I could see that this being your next big thing, right? The next big brand or white label that you could do for other agencies for cool. sure. Yeah, it would be cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. How have you been inspired along the way? What kind of things are you listening to or reading or maybe there's a mentor along the way? Tell me, where do you get your inspiration from? Yeah, the, um, you know, that's, a, that's actually a tough question for me. I, uh, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a uh, introverted person, so I don't go out there a lot and, and do a lot of things. I would say my first big inspiration was my dad, who was an entrepreneur. He never really made it big, but man, he was always out there trying and I'd be, you know, going to sales calls with him, you know, since I was a little kid and he never gave up. And like, that's pretty, for me, that's, it just kind of ingrained that in me is you don't even, even when you fail, you don't give up. Um, and uh, there's been a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm, always kind of learning, right? And, and I think the, the stage of recommending something is like, hey, is on the brand side, on the agency side. One thing that I had read uh, very recently that was, I, I thought was a fantastic book was, uh, was uh, The Business of Expertise by David Baker. Um, it's just so, there's so much like self-knowledge that has happened, but that book, for anybody that's kind of selling uh, a product as a, or sorry, selling a service mm -hmm. business, that book was eye-opening to me. What was the top uh, like three takeaways from the book? I haven't read it yet, so I'm going to add it to my list. Tell me, tell yeah, me a little so bit more. Anybody, so so um, it was just uh, niching down as far as you can into a specific expertise. Uh, and I did make, after I read that a few years ago, I did make changes to our business and it probably doubled on the on wow. friend side. Yeah. Wow. Where, um, that's the biggest takeaway is just being a complete expert in a, uh, in, a in a certain, in a certain kind of a, a niche uh, where you're kind of the only, only choice and you're extremely differentiated. That's, that's again, a, a big important part of it. 
we had a conversation. So I'm teaching at Boise State uh, Marketing 401 Upper Division class, and we've talked a lot about differentiation, and it's all about agency um, operations and just things that you need to learn about this. And and so I think being able to be a differentiator uh, can really help set you apart from others. But also, I think that if you can purposely find the things that are going to make you a different agency or different, you know, brand or whatever the case might be. I mean, that is ultimately what we're here for to help make that happen. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting when I look at, there's so many uh, on the agency level, there's so many, there's so many generalist firms out there that say that, you know, they do everything we do web and SEO and digital marketing. And, and, and honestly, they're, they're probably, uh, my opinion is, is they're probably pretty, when you offer that many services, you're probably pretty mediocre at all of them. And I mean, I've hired for my own brands, a lot of those kind of firms and I have been, and then there's really, you know, expert firms out there that just do amazing work. Um, I, I would challenge like any agency out there, companies hire you to be creative, be creative and find your own kind of differentiator. And mm -hmm. that's going to make all the difference to your business. It really is. Yeah. I like that. Uh, okay, so let's see. Let's talk a little bit about some things that you are proud about. What What are some accomplishments or, um, you know, some some projects you've worked on, some campaigns that you've done? What are you most proud of? Sure. I, um, for me, it's just, um, I think that uh, today it's, you know, being an entrepreneur is is difficult. And so I just, without, I don't want to, I'm not big on like bragging about things, but for me, it's just, being able to actually say that I, that I am an entrepreneur and I made my own worth. And, um, and that, that to me is, is the thing that I'm most proud about. I and mean, it's not easy. Um, uh, you know, people that do that are kind of the backbone, I believe of the economy. And, uh, and, and it's something that makes this country absolutely great that we have those opportunities. And then there's a lot of, you know, nine out of 10 fail. And it's, it's right. very, and so you can still call yourself an entrepreneur when you fail, but truly I think the ones that earn that title are the, the ones that are able to ride it out a little bit. And um, that makes me proud. Okay, so we talked about guacamole. Tell me another kind of success story or something that you did to help a brand move them forward or, or you know, maybe they sold or maybe they made, like you said, they tripled or however, whatever comes to mind. Like what's another story besides our guacamole, but tell me something more about a way you helped a brand out. Yep. And I apologize. There's, um, <laughs> we're working from home. I get it. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of them. There's a really, there's a really good one. Um, and this was, I think it was one of the first projects that we ever worked on. Um, and there was a, a gentleman and he called me, he had a sports nutrition brand and he, and he and his son had this idea that, the video gaming market was pretty big and they were going to take the sports nutrition thing that you would take pre-workout that would give you energy ah. and rebrand it for people playing video games. Huh. They'd have more energy. I'm like, huh? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Hmm. Okay. All right. We can do that. Like it's interesting. It's differentiated. That's for sure. Nobody else is doing it. And so, um, you know, we, because we playing video games can be pretty intense. I know I have yeah. a 12 year old and a 15 year old. I mean, it can get pretty intense. <laughs> it can. Yeah. And, and, and this was their idea. And then, so we started doing the research and I'm like, you know what, this is actually feasible. You know, there's a mark, there's definitely a market here. So we got into the naming of it and developing of the brand and, and, and fast forward to today, still, still a client of ours. We still work with them. They're one of the 10th most influential brands, uh, CPG brands in the video gaming industry, massive brand. It's called G Fuel. Kind of every one of those, like I have kids now that are like, they watch all those influencers, you know, yeah. that are on 
addiction stuff, gaming, and these guys sponsored them all. And it's just been a, an amazing idea to see a dad and a son with an idea right. uh, that is, they, they had the differentiator and I didn't even believe in it when I first heard it. And, uh, and to see that grow into something so yeah. successful today, it's been, it's just been amazing to watch. Well, and people gaming industry, I mean, there's degrees offered now for it. I mean, it's just insane how much, uh, you know, sports, video games and just, you know, augmented uh, virtual reality, all of the gaming that's going on right now. I mean, especially with the pandemic and lockdown yeah. that industry, if you're not a part of it, I mean, we're missing out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and yeah, I mean, it was just, I, I believed in that brand within six months of them launching. I saw the growth that they had. I'm like, this is, this is, it's a huge market. They just nailed it. And, uh, and I mean, now they have, you know, from everything from Xbox and Nintendo trying to get in with them. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, they've done a great job growing it. Well, and influencer marketing, talk about an industry and that's exploded over the last little bit is, is being an influencer, right? They used to call them like travel bloggers or writers or, you know, magazine, you know, but, but now like influencer marketing, it's exploded, right? Yeah, it's funny. So the, the first, here's like a very short story. It was like my first uh, understanding of influencers. I just didn't realize how big it was going to be. But the first, that first brand that we created, um, uh, it was a nutrition brand, a sports nutrition brand. And I had noticed in a lot of other industries, it was the fishing industry. I was seeing this, there was these forums and basically people would go on there and ask questions about, I don't know, I'm not a fisher person, but they would they'd ask <laughs> questions about, you know, what kind of um, bait or whatever do I use? And there'd be somebody from the actual company in there of, that like had a product that would right. answer their question for them and would recommend their own products. And I'm like, that's interesting. And nobody had done that in sports nutrition. So wow. the whole way that the brand was no real marketing is that um, I uh, had signed up for an account on um, bodybuilding.com. They were a huge, mm -hmm. uh, had a huge forum. And then I started noticing that there were certain people on there that were just more popular than others in the community, right? They would answer, they'd spend all day on their answering questions. So I'd reach out to them and say, hey, would you be interested? And I called them, uh, called them sponsored athletes, being a sponsored athlete, where I'm gonna give you free product and things, and then you're going to learn about our products. And when you answer questions for people, um, you know, if it fits into what they need, you're going to recommend our product. And that is what took the, um, the brand from uh, being a nobody brand to a top 30, $7 million brand uh, almost overnight. And I didn't know the term influencer back then. It didn't exist. <laughs> right. 2005. Yeah. Um, but fast forward today, that was the beginning of it. And it's yeah. just, it's everything now. And bodybuilding.com, by the way, is just an amazing, fascinating story. Our friends, the DeLuca family that's created that and sold it and, you know, done many things now. And they're into the VR space now. But yes. I think bodybuilding.com actually started in Boise, Idaho, and has grown exponentially. And, and it is a great place, a great forum to, to be able to have sports nutrition, you know, marketing for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, really, without those guys, without the DeLucas, um, I probably wouldn't be here today because it's what helped me. That was the idea and being able to do that and is what helped me, um, uh, launch my first brand. I mean, I, I would be in there for asking questions cause I was into like taking supplements and working out yeah. and that gave me the idea to start my own line of product and do that back then influencer marketing. And then that next year, you know, I was at the show meeting those guys winning the, you know, best new brand award. And, um, nice. and, um, anyways, they were just great. And, and I owe them, actually owe them probably a lot from being there. You go. Well, you know, you can pay it forward to the DeLuca Foundation, the Jaden DeLuca Foundation. So one of the, uh, I guess it'd be the niece of the founder and, and then the brother, um, they had a baby that had congenital heart 
failure and they created the Jane and Luca Foundation as a result and it's still going strong. We help, we get to work with them and do all kinds of fun things with uh, video and, and helping oh, them. But, What's yeah. it called again? The DeLuca the, Foundation? It's called the Jaden DeLuca Foundation and okay. uh, it, it's there for heart healthy babies to help them and uh, they, they donate to research and um, you know just all kinds of things for the community. So um, but yeah, the Jaden DeLuca Foundation, they have a, an event uh, here in Boise and also in Denver. Uh, usually it's a big what, fancy gala every year, but you know, with the pandemic, it might be a slightly different uh, scene this year. But uh, uh, anyway, there's always a theme and last year it was fire and ice and it's a masquerade and it's super, super fun and a lot of, you know, uh, big names and and you know, contributions and auction items and all kinds of good things to, to go to the Jaden DeLuca Foundation. But, uh, well, you never know, you never know where these interviews are going to take you, but now you have an opportunity to pay it forward through. through you can do that and I can get them some credit point routers so they can do it virtually. Right. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, this has been a wonderful uh, episode to talk with you and learn more about you, Kevin, and, and Smash Brand. And uh, so I just have one more question for you. Um, so our listeners, we're all going on a marketing journey together. What kind of words of wisdom or encouragement or inspiration would you like to share with our audience? Yeah, for me, it, again, it comes down to that one thing again, is whatever they're working on and whatever the business model is, your life will be 10 times easier if you spend a whole lot of time figuring out how you can write an only statement for yourself, right? In your industry that might require you to like niche it down a little bit, but when you can come up with kind of, again, I think there's, there's, there's four questions to be successful. And I don't care if it's a service industry or a product industry. And if you do this correctly, you won't be one of the statistics of a failure, you know, nine out of 10 and your life will be so much easier in selling your product or service. But right. It's the answer to these four questions, right? What, it, what is um, our purpose? And that's, you know, the passion that kind of drives all the stakeholders forward around, around a common purpose beyond profitability. And then how do you add uh, value for your customers, right? And this is one that um, needs to resonate on a deep emotional level, right? It's to drive affinity for the brand. Mm -hmm. And what is your differentiator? Super important. Um, it's not always about being better. Your differentiator isn't about your ice cream tasting better. Um, it's about being different. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, for you to have a strong brand, it has to be um, uh, defendable and distinct. That's super important. And then the last thing is just, you know, how do you prove that, right? So you should be able to communicate uh, that difference across all your interactions uh, so your customers feel it. If you can get those four things down, uh, you're going you're gonna to do well. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, okay. So how do people get a hold of you if they want to uh, potentially work with you if you select them to get to work with you? Yep. So, and, and really, and one of the reasons I'm doing this is, is less about, less about that, but more about if there's people out there that have amazing, we, my favorite thing to do is invest in brands um, that do have real strong differentiation. And if that's the case, um, you know, I, I'd love to talk to brands out there that are getting started. And um, especially if they're interested in a uh, investor that participates, that's important to me to be able to kind of use our process to help elevate them and cash as well. Um, but the <laughs> best way is to reach, reach me at um, kevin at smashbrand.com.
Excellent, excellent. And I'm going to be looking forward to the white label process that you're going to be coming out with so that I can use that with our agency and determine data first and use that to our advantage. So thank you awesome. for <laughs> working on that. I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to be your accountability partner. I'm going to call you up in a year and say, okay, where are you at? Let's get going. <laughs> I love it. I need that. That's right. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And uh, for our listeners, enjoy the journey until next time. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Find more online at Peppershock.com. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.